Happy New Year. Uh, it, for many of us, at least a lot of the people that I've been talking to, um, there's this great, one of the reasons why I'm preaching on expectations, is there's this great expectation that 2021 is going to be better than 2020. And if you think about 2020, it can't, it can't get worse, right? So, uh, but what I wanted to do as a, an intro to the intro of our series on expectations was talk a little bit about some things to keep in mind moving into 2021 that hopefully, hopefully, maybe we didn't learn our lessons, but we understand that these things are important. And I want to give you seven things that I, re- that I was reminded about in 2020 that hopefully you will too. And then we'll bring those things into 2021. Now, I have no expectations for 2021. You might have, you might have expectations. You might think, oh, there's been a change in government. Things will be better. There's a vaccine. Things will be better. Fine, those things are all all fine. But what I don't want to lose is the impact that 2020 had on all of us. So we're going to be going through seven things that I think uh, we all either learned in 2020 or reminded of. There's many, many more. We could have said 15 things uh, that that 2020 brought us, but we're just going to stick to seven because that's that's like, the, like a godly number, I guess. Okay, number one. We're going to hit it right off the bat. We are created for community. We're created for community. We were not created just to live our lives, our um, spirituality, our relationship with Jesus on our own. Just kind of hold up someplace going, look, as long as I'm doing what I need to do, everything's fine. That is not how you were created. And one of the things we learned in 2020 is that when we were forced into our homes and into isolation or whatever, things began to happen with our bodies, with our minds, with our relationship with Jesus that we were not designed to be able to handle over the long term. We were not designed to be individualistic people. Now, part of that is part of our culture, uh, especially in America, rugged individualism, all those things, but that's not how you were created. That's not how God created you. Genesis uh, 2.18 says this, so God had created um, Adam, and uh, he had created the world. He had created all the animals and everything. He told Adam to name them all. Listen, I'm not going to pretend I know how any of this actually went down. I don't. Um, but this is the narrative of Genesis. And so uh, basically, it's Adam, it's God, and it's Adam's career, essentially. His career was to tend the garden. It was to plant and produce food for himself and to tend the garden to work. Um, It's only after sin where the weeds and all the toil of work came up. But God had created us to to do stuff. And so uh, Adam's there and he's with God and he's got stuff to do. Now, I'm just a dude. I can only just speak for, for me. That would be awesome. Except I learned what God knew about me before I would know that about me. The Lord said, the Lord God said, it is not good I could put anyone, not just man, it happened to be man at this point, 
It's not good for a woman to be alone. It's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for anyone to be alone. I will make a a helper suitable for him. I don't want to get into all of this right now, but helper does not mean servant, okay? It doesn't mean that there was man and then God created like this female servant. Uh, if you if you go into uh, the Hebrew of this, it's the same kind of Greek word as paraclete, which is helper, but it's also used for the Holy Spirit. So if you think the Holy Spirit is just your little helper, um, good luck with that. Uh, I will make a helper suitable for him. Notice Adam didn't come up with this. It was God. God said, it is not good for us to be alone. We are created, created for community. Let me put it this way, because you might think, well, I don't need anyone. So I'm going to flip it, go into the New Testament right now, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now to each one, each one. So if you're a follower of Jesus, and I understand that if, if you're not quite there yet, you're not sure of the Bible, you're not sure of God, you're not sure of this whole Christianity thing, I totally understand. But for those of you who do subscribe to that uh, thinking, Jesus is your Savior, you do follow the Bible, God is your Heavenly Father. To each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the what? Common good. In other words, God did not give you the Spirit of God to live with just for yourself. It's to be like every other gift that God gives us to be poured out because we are created for community. So while you might not think that you need somebody, there's a really, really good chance. I would push that there's a 100% chance they need you. Somebody needs this manifestation of the Spirit that's living within you. Somebody needs that. And so if you're isolated, if you're alone, if you're kind of, you've pulled back, the, the common good, the family of Jesus Christ is missing something because you're not there. This is why we're doing, although it's Zoom small groups, it's small groups nonetheless. Because while you might not need it, someone might need the word that the Spirit of God is giving to you. It goes on. To one, there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. In other words, God has entrusted you for the rest of the community some type of gifting that you can share that somebody around you may not have. We were created for community, both for ourselves and for those around us. Here's what he goes on to say. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives to them, each one, listen to this, just as he determines. Who's he? It's your Heavenly Father. So your Heavenly Father, understanding that you're part of a broader body, has given you some type of work in you for the common good, just as he determines. Not us. I have a friend, very dear friend. He's probably watching right now. God has somehow given him this gift of empathy. He does not want this gift. He wants to be shielded from empathy. Because isn't it easier to be If you don't have empathy, then it's kind of like you get to be kind of a little crusty or whatever. 
But God has given him this gift. He empathizes. That's what he brings to the community of God. And it's beautiful. But God has determined that. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. I know this as a pastor. Because as a pastor, you get, to be, you get the title of pastor. You get to be called pastor. Oh, Pastor John. Pastor, pastor, pastor. Whatever. Do you realize that I've only been given a small sliver of gifting? Small. It might be teaching. It might be administration. It might be being able to figure out strategies. It might be, you know, whatever, whatever it is. It might be able to relate to different people. That's just a tiny sliver. Well, where does the rest come from? Us. It comes from us. I have mine. You have yours. I have a title of pastor, but that doesn't make me any different or any more important. We are created for community. And I think 2020 has proven that uh, pretty, pretty well. Number two, being present is really, really important. Being present is important. Before 2020, we kind of got away with just living our life, and you're here, and you're doing this, and you're on the internet, and then you're, but all of a sudden, like for some families, it just came down to you're at home with your family. For if you're living with a friend or whatever, you just got kind of brought down to that. You got brought down to a, a, a smaller circle of influence. Maybe you were um, someone who went around and you spoke at different places or you did different things and all of a sudden now you don't have that circle of influence anymore. One of the things I hope we learn, one of the things that I want to carry into 2021 is that being present, like even if I'm online, even if I'm in a Zoom call where I am listening to the person right directly in front of me is so vitally important. And it's what Jesus would have us do. So for some of you, maybe you're a single mom, you're, you could send your kids to school. And I'm just speaking for California. In California, most of our schools are shut down. And now, now you're home with your kids, which you know, it's great and all those things, but you might be tempted like, I just want to get away. While God has created us for community, he's also created us to be present with the people we're with. You can even do this digitally. You begin to text, okay? Once you get on your phone, as you know, it's very easy to become distracted. But if you just stay within that text, staying present, I'm here, I'm whatever you need, and you just kind of narrow that down. Let me show you how Jesus modeled this so beautifully. Because I, I'm not just pulling this stuff out of thin air. It's, it's, what, it's what Jesus did. So <laughs> what happened was Jesus was jamming around, and, uh, which is a Greek term, jamming around, with his disciples. And it's going great for his brand right now in this particular part of his ministry. Uh, he's becoming more popular. The disciples are with him. There's crowds everywhere. So it's kind of like a little bit of, um, you know, rock star status. And, and then a synagogue official needs to have his daughter healed, which for Jesus is a no-brainer, super easy. But for the disciples, the idea that a synagogue official would have the daughter healed was a really big deal because part of their opposition was um, 
the Pharisees, the religious elite, those in power. And so the fact that Jesus could come, he would kind of do a little bit of a power grab. Like, I took this person in power, and then I healed their daughter, and that kind of, anyone who follows power structures, that's kind of what happens. You become the one in power. You did this for them. They can't give you anything, or they don't owe you, they owe you something. They can't give you anything, and there you are. So Jesus is going along, and uh, there's crowds all around, disciples all around, and uh, this woman who, who has three strikes against her. One, she's a woman. So at this particular time, uh, she didn't have very much value, if any. Two, she had a bleeding disorder, which made her unclean, which means she had to be separated. She had to be isolated. She had COVID, we'll say. She just couldn't be around anyone, but she was because she wanted to be around Jesus. And so she, she had that going. And then when she tells her story, she had spent every last dime on trying to get this blood disorder figured out. So she was a woman, she was unclean, and she was poor. Those, that's, a, that's a three strikes you're out rule for um, antiquity when it comes to when Jesus was alive. And so she decides to kind of break some rules and she touches Jesus. She doesn't even touch Jesus, touches his cloak. And I don't know how it worked. Again, I don't, I don't understand these things, but somehow Jesus knew power had, had gone out of him, okay? So if it's like me, if my iPhone gets to be 85%, I start going into shakes. Like I can't, it has to be 90 or more. Like I don't, I, it freaks me out. So I don't know if Jesus has like a level of his power and it went, it dipped below 80%. I don't know how it all worked, but he knew. He says this, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to, uh, in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? To which the disciples replied, everyone. <laughs> like, we're in a group of people. Everybody's touching your clothes. Everybody's trying to, to talk to you, to touch you, to try to get, you're like a rock star. But this was something completely different. And so he says, somebody touched my clothes. And this woman drums up all, this is an amazing woman. She drums up all this courage in front of all these people where she knew she was, in their eyes, worthless. But I think she also knew, in Jesus' eyes, she wasn't worthless. And here's, what she, here's what it says. Trembling with fear told him the whole truth. Now you might think, sweet, she told him the whole truth. Like that's important. Anytime you go before Jesus or God, you should probably tell the whole truth. But if you're like me, who's always in a rush and always has an agenda and is always trying to further some type of thing, some type of vision or some type of strategy or whatever, I would not have time for her. I'm on my way to heal the synagogue's daughter. This is a big time for me right now. Great, you got healed. Have a nice day. He listened to her whole truth. He was present with her the entire time. Jesus stopped the important thing he was doing and was able to be present with her. Being present is important. 
This might show up with you and your kids. It might show up with you and your friends. It might show up with you and your boss or you and your employee. And let me just say very quickly, if you have a position of power, you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're a boss of any kind, it is vitally important that you are present with those that you actually should be serving because you're in a position of power. Be present with them. Your position is not more important than the person. The person takes priority. Well, so uh, Jesus listens to her whole truth, and he says, your uh, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And uh, in the meantime, the synagogue, uh, the synagogue official's daughter dies. And Jesus says, ah, oh, no, she didn't die. She's asleep. Let's go. And, and he goes and, and he, and he works, works it all out. But he knew this person was important rather than his position. That's number two. Number three, we were creative, created to be creative. We were created to be creative. When the pandemic hit, I don't think our Heavenly Father was saying, oh no, you're stuck. If someone hasn't done something for you, what are you going to do? And I, I noticed, it was real cool. So when the pandemic hit, Living Spring had taken a very early, we adopted early not to meet. Um, not because we're scared or we think God can't heal or any of those types of things. But we wanted to slow down to gather information because there was information about everything. You can get it from walking, you know, it could be on your feet, you could walk in the carpet, and then, you know, you don't do that, and just all these different things. So we decided to just take a posture of, well, let's sit back a little bit. Worst case scenario, we're too safe, and that, but what was really cool, because uh, I love our church family, they didn't just stop. Like, immediately, immediately, people in our church started sewing masks, and we had 250 masks within a week, so much, we had so many masks that we could start distributing them to people in the community. Further, <coughs> excuse me, I get super excited about this stuff. Further, um, we had just, we didn't know that the pandemic was coming, but we had just placed this huge uh, order of toilet paper, okay? And so we had tons of toilet paper. So like within the first week, we were passing out masks and toilet paper, and then we had already like months before, put Purell stations in all the rooms. Not because your pastor is a germaphobe, but because he's a great leader. And uh, so we did that. And so we had all this extra Purell so people could come and we could fill up their, their little personal Purell dispensers, right? This is what God has created us to do, is to be creative, he created us to be creative. If you don't believe me, uh, at least believe the Apostle Paul, who is writing to this church in Ephesus. And here's what he says, for we are God's handiwork. We are his creation. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I am amazed at the creativity of human creation. Uh, so I'll just share just a little bit. You can hate me if you want or send me terrible emails. But I, I had posted something on Instagram. And then I posted it. It was a video. And then it said, next video. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't post two videos. I'm like, what's the next video? 
And the next video was Reels, which I didn't know what that was, but it's essentially TikTok. And um, I spent like 20 minutes watching humans, God's handiwork, like do stuff I didn't know humans could even do. Like they're, they're dancing and they're doing all sorts of stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't Christian because the dancing was good, but uh, it, it was just these, a, a bunch of things that humans were doing. Young, young kids, like young kids playing instruments like you wouldn't even believe. Why? Because we were created for this. But not just to dance and to play awesome music. Good works. We were created, created to be creative. We were created to sit in our homes and go, okay, I'm stuck in my home. What creative thing can I do to serve those around me? We had someone in our church, again, I mentioned creating masks. We had people uh, making sure that because we can't do our gifts for kids, where we might do a thousand kids, we couldn't do that. And so we worked with Project Access next door and we were able to do our Christmas things. But it had to be creative. We had to figure out how do you social distance? How do you wrap toys together? And so we had wrapping stations in the patio, all socially distanced, wrapping these presents. Because we were created to do that. We were created to be creative, to do good works. It's part of why we're here. We had, somebody came up with the idea because they felt really bad that there's just been no, because we're not meeting physically, that there's no connection. And so we had already set up a system of connecting via text and email and phone calls and all this kind of stuff. But they wanted something physical. So they created these bags of, of candy. And again, if you're watching online and you're not like in the vicinity, I'm sorry you didn't get any candy because it was special candy because I prayed over it and I cast out the calories. I just prayed over each bag and the calories fled like a story we're going to see in just a little bit. And so they got not only candy, but it was like calorie free. So um, they got that. Uh, but this all came out of an idea of like, how can we get something on their doorstep to know that they are loved and cared for? Um, the, the food, we've been able to keep our food distribution going, all these different things, because we were created to be creative. So God had um, prepared them to do, in Exodus, there's this really cool section of scripture where, you know, God could have just created the temple. He could have just created his dwelling place. But he created people to be creative to create his dwelling place. Look what he says in Exodus 31.3. He's talking about some dude. He says, I've filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Why couldn't have God just done an I dream a genie and the thing shows up and that's where his dwelling place is? No, he creates us to create. All sorts of skills that goes on to make Artistic designs for work in gold, silver, bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. God has created us to be creative. So where has he placed you where he wants you to be creative? In 2021, as you step out of 2020, what has he given? What skills has he given you? Number four, uncertainty is a certainty. It's just, we got to get over this idea that we have everything under control. You never were, you are not now, and you never will be in control, ever. You can control yourself to the best of your ability. You can control, that's about it. 
But you'll never be in control. You never were, you aren't now, and you never will be in control. Uncertainty is a certainty. This morning, 7.30, my phone rings. The person who runs all our worship leaders says, your worship leader is vomiting, which is frowned upon in the worship community when you're leading. And so he says, your, your worship leader has food poisoning. What are you, what, what you going to do? And we said, well, let's call Maya. Now imagine 7.30 in the morning, you, you wake up. Maya was probably already awake. She wakes up at like 4, has like a two-hour workout. So she's up. She's doing her thing, yawning. Ah, oh, gets the thing. Uh, you're leading this morning, <laughs> okay? Not only are you leading, you were going to play piano, but now you're playing guitar. And so uncertainty is just a certainty. And fortunately, Maya's just a straight-out baller, and she handled it perfectly, and that was awesome. But, and that might be a small thing, leading, leading worship. Maybe it's something like a loss of a job. Maybe it's something like something with our kids or in our community or our company or our business or whatever. I totally get it. But uncertainty is a certainty. And we run into very difficult situations when we try to control. That's usually when we fall off the rails because we try to make sure that there is no uncertainty, which is impossible. And so we expend all this energy to get everything we need so that in any case, if anything goes wrong, we'll be prepared. And part of that is prudence, and I understand that, and that's important. But part of it is also anxiety and stress and trying to control. Here's what happens in Genesis. We'll go back to Genesis. So God has um, Adam, and then he creates this paraclete, this helper, these, this equal, and they're going to do life together, right? And so, um, but there's just one caveat, just don't eat this one fruit from this one tree in the garden. One tree, you got everything. You got a garden, you got everything you need. You're walking with God during the cool of the day. But our human nature is like, yeah, but like I have this fear of missing out on whatever that thing was. And so uh, she goes out. And uh, Satan shows up. In this narrative, it's in the form of a, of a serpent. I don't, again, I am not going to pretend how it all went down. I have no idea, but that's the narrative. So I'm going to stick to that. And so she says, she misquotes God and says, if I eat this thing, I'm going to die. And the serpent knows he's got her because that's not what God said. He said, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you need to take control or you're going to miss out on a, some part of life that God is not faithful enough to have you experience. You're going to miss out. You need to get everything you can. You need to get it all in order. You need to get your whole life figured out, your 401k, your kids, college, everything, all these different things. You need to get it all done. And when you get it all done, you'll be in control. But uncertainty is a certainty. When the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, I, I had another another. Um, slide that just said she took control of her life. She, she took some and ate it. She, she said, you know what? There's something that I'm going to miss out on unless I take it from myself. But uncertainty is a certainty. 
There's always going to be a part of our lives that we have to entrust to God. We have to just place it into his hands and say, God, I can't control this. And he's fine with that. Which leads us to number five. We can handle more. Sometimes we think we've gotten to the end of our rope. There's no way we can handle anything more. I've, oh, if one thing changes, then our whole life is going to fall apart. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, when we have access to our Heavenly Father, when we have the Spirit of God guiding and directing us, we can handle more. Because there's a, there's a saying that says God won't give you more than you can handle, which is a dumb saying. Because he, oftentimes He gives you more than you can handle. He just never gives you more than he can handle with you. So God God doesn't give you more than he can handle. You can't handle it, but that's fine. That's a great posture to be in. It's called a posture of humility. And so uh, we we get to this sense where we feel like, oh my goodness, I had this one last thing and now I can't handle anything. And God would push back on that and say, you can handle more. Think about what happened in 2020 for you. I mean, if you had said it early, all the things you've gone through in 2020, so I'll just, I'll just pick your single parent, okay? And you said, somebody said to you in February, hey, you're going to work from home and your kids are going to be there and you're going to have to help them through your schoolwork throughout the whole day. <laughs> You'd go, oh, wow, okay. And how do I get rid of the children? How do I do that? Like, you, you can't, because it's a hypothetical, and God doesn't give us strength in hypotheticals. Once it becomes a reality, you're probably doing it. It's hard. Of course it is. Let me show you some scriptures that uh, I love uh, in the Old Testament that talk about this idea that we don't have to have everything all buttoned up. It's a really sweet scripture because it not only talks about us, but it talks about um, the poor. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. You don't need to have everything hoarded up to be in control. You can handle not having 75 rolls of toilet paper. I am the Lord your God. Do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them. For the poor and the foreigner. And you say, well, what if I don't have enough? I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy says the same thing. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. You handled more. That is why I command you to do this. Number six, your mental health is important. I think out of 2020, we've realized this, that um, there's stuff rattling around in there that we have to make sure um, we are diligent about protecting. And you say, well, John, how do I know how to protect it? And this is one of the cool things about this verse I'm going to read in Philippians. We can easily say, is what I'm filling my mind in wrong or right? So maybe you're, watch, you're binge-washing a show and whatever, and you're like, mm, I don't know if this content, like, is this the best thing for my mental health? 
the Bible does such a good job of just stripping all that nonsense away. Like, like the loopholes. And here's what the Bible says. Here's, here's your mental health strategy. You ready? Your mental health is very important. Here's your mental health strategy. It, if, if you put it into practice in 2021, uh, your life will change. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, okay, there goes 60% of the internet. Whatever is noble, another 20. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, another 15. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, that's what you think about. Those are the things you wrap your mind around. Those are the things you spend your time simmering in. It gets rid of a lot of stuff. It didn't say, oh, you know, well, uh, if there's five cuss words, it's wrong. If there's that, oh, no, no, let's go back a second. Finally, brothers, and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If those aren't the things that I'm filling my mind with, then I have the potential to damage my mental health. Think about it this way. Think about your body. If you just eat processed foods, just foods that are quick, that, you know, are cheap, that are, don't require much, guess what's going to happen? Your body's going to be unhealthy. It's the same thing with your mind. Little tweets, little this, little microcosms of information, little vacuums of, of, of outrage. It's not good for our brain. The Bible already talked about it way back in Philippians. Finally, fear is your enemy. Fear is your enemy. I'm dead serious about this. 2020 was a year of fear. Fear about COVID, fear about the economy, fear about this, fear about that. And we all got into our little spheres and our spheres of fears and we just kind of just fell into it. It is your enemy. Fear has no business in your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about it this way. That don't give the enemy a foothold. Like not even a little thing. I don't know if you saw the movie Free Solo. Oh, it was terrible. Oh, it was so scary. But basically, he climbs up Half Dome without any ropes. Okay? Like he's just like jamming up a sheer cliff. I can't even think about it. All he needs to climb up that thing Two fingers, sometimes one finger, he gets it into a little thing and he could pull up his whole body. Do you know that you have an enemy? Maybe you don't believe in him or not. That just needs one little thing of fear. And you will begin to change how you live because now you're living in fear. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. In other words, a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with our Heavenly Father, we know that we're fully loved, completely. That should just cast out fear. So, I knew this one was going to go long, so I apologize, I'm going a little long. Eh, you'll be fine. Um, fear is your enemy. Listen to this. So Jesus, he feeds the 5,000, showing that he has authority over provisions. And then he calms the sea. 
showing that he has authority over the elements. And then he comes off into an unclean situation. Unclean because it was a Gentile uh, location. Unclean because he was in tombs, which Jews weren't supposed to be in. And unclean because there were pigs involved, right? And he casts out these demons from this guy, and he puts them into the pigs, and the pigs all run over the cliff. So here's what happens in Mark chapter 5. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what happened, wouldn't you? I mean, it's like a car accident, just like a whole bunch of pigs, like off a cliff. Like, you'd want to see that. You want to also see this man who was demon-possessed. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And you know what happened? They were afraid. Jesus brings healing. Jesus brings restoration. And those around that are used to a certain thing, a certain lifestyle, a certain, uh, this was their business, their economy. They're afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened and to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. As the worship team comes back up. This next verse is just so sad. Because Jesus came to bring restoration. The people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. In other words, they allowed fear to win. Fear is your enemy. Seriously, it is. And so if you find yourself being afraid, if perfect love casts out fear... Have we allowed fear to cast out Jesus? Have we allowed fear to cast out how we live our lives as followers of Jesus? Have we allowed fear to cast out how we'd spend time, how we'd be present with people, how we'd be in community, how we'd use our creativity? Have we allowed our fear to cast out Jesus instead of perfect love casting out fear? Maya's going to finish with um, a song of blessing, and then um, I'll come back up and um, share the blessing with you as we do every week. Lord God, we're thankful for your goodness. We're thankful for all that you do for us. God, we want to enter 2021 just in a posture of humility, a posture of strength, posture of wisdom, posture of seeking you. So Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand for the blessing if you want. Now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd go this week in his peace and in his strength and in his joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.